0: You're listening to Spinning Around with Hyle Minogue on Area 3000. What a breath of fresh air that mix was, hey? Spinning Around has always been quite an electronic-focused show, but let me tell you that splash of R&B to cleanse the palate was much appreciated. Let us not forget that R&B was one of the most original forms of dance music too since the 1980s, and don't act like you techno-heads weren't singing and dancing to Usher and Destiny's Child back in the days, for there is no shame in the game of music. But... I know that some of you have an image to uphold, so don't worry. You see our SoundCloud over there? The one that says Area 3000? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just gonna put that right there tomorrow and you can listen to it in secret as much as you like. I know that you're watching those Aie Boutonnier blends for the people videos too. <laughs> uh, I hope you're all enjoying the vibe tonight. It's around 7 p.m. AEST and remember folks to eat plenty of fruit and vegetables because a car can't run on just gas. It needs engine oil and coolant as well. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Thanks for Tuning in for more conversations and mixes with dance music's latest and greatest. Our next guest tonight is a seasoned NAM based DJ, radio host, boss of Listen Here Radio, and one of the high priestesses of the Lunar event series with DJ Love. She's a familiar face and a familiar voice to many in the scene, having hosted three years on PBS's Midnight Show, Circling the Sun, and half a year with a beloved Milo Eastwood on their daily breakfast show. It's not all the time that you come across someone with such a wholesome resume that's centered on contributing to the community. Listen Here Radio provides excellent regular genre-spanning playlists and a calming display that's as soothing as it is inviting, while her bi-monthly orchestrations of the Lunar Nights at Sub Club forge lovingly groovy space with the help of Femme, Queer, and GNC selectors only. As a DJ herself, she's had salubrious spins for spaces and syndicates like Skylab, Melt, and Champion's Whip Project. And now we have the utmost pleasure of having her on for a spin and a wag of the chin, right here on Area 3000 tonight. My guest is none other than Claire Dixon, a.k.a. Daphne, hey Claire, welcome to the show. How are you going?
1: Oh my goodness, I'm like slightly overwhelmed. That was it was so nice to hear so many beautiful things said about me. But yeah, <laughs> it's so good to be here chatting with you. I'm
0: glad that you've uh, enjoyed it, and I'm glad that you are here with us today because uh, I I've been looking at everything that you've been doing currently with Luna, uh, with Listen Here Radio, and you know everything that you've done before, and I thought fuck it, why would I not speak to this person? Um, But there is another why question that I need to ask you before we begin. Why Daphne?
1: Oh my goodness. Okay. So Daphne is a name that I've loved since I was like really little. And I think the reason I like it so much is my last name is Dixon and I'm a really big fan of like alliterations. And so I've always thought that if I could ever change my name to anything, it would be Daphne Dixon. Oh, Yeah. it's, It's got such a nice ring to it. And then I kind of figured like, Basically, DJing is my opportunity to kind of, I guess, change my name in a sense. True. Yeah. You know, it's like it's kind of like I can create this alter ego, which I think is particularly helpful when, you know, I do do so so much, so much stuff on radio that is a lot more you know, non-electronic focused. Mm. And so to create a point of difference for when I'm DJing out and about um, and I'm playing like a different kind of sound and I don't want people to think I'm just going to be playing the sort of stuff I'd play on radio. Yeah, Daphne comes along and she gets to hang out with everyone for the night.
0: That's cool. You know what's really fucked up about that as well? Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, Daphne Dixon, right? Uh, this alliteration thing and wanting to have your name changed to that. I totally get it because my entire life, and this is so strange that you've brought this up. My <laughs> entire life, I've always wanted to be called Kenny. And my last name is Kim because I really like that alliteration. Kenny Kim.
1: You just see? It rolls off the tongue so nicely. Daphne
0: Dixon, Kenny Kim. We are... You know what? Let's just go by Kenny and Daphne today. We're just going to make yeah, that happen. Yeah,
1: let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> we should go B2B one day. Oh,
0: yes. Kenny and Daphne on the decks. For sure. Fantastic. <laughs> no, that's good that you've uh, been able to adopt uh, this name that you've always wanted. You don't... Like dislike your name Claire do you?
1: It actually took me a long time to come to terms with the name Claire I think there's this weird thing like how many Claire's do you
0: know? Oh like heaps. (laughs) Oh really because for some
1: reason I feel like Claire's like a common name if you will but I don't I think I know like one other Claire and so I was always like why is it why does everyone know the name Claire I don't know it's it's a fine name and I I like my name but I think I've always had Daphne in the back of my mind Mm. and then yeah this was an opportunity instead of like paying a bunch of money to the government and legally changing my name to Daphne (laughs) I can just start DJing under the name Daphne instead
0: that's true I mean also I've I've seen in a lot of like okay uh, don't ask me why I've read these books or articles (laughs) so so you know those like pseudo-anarchist articles where like um They ask questions about, like, how do I do this in society? I've read an article which says, like, how do I change my name in society without having to pay the government? Interesting. Apparently, you can just do this in your life. Like, you just go by this name. When you sign documents, you can just sign it under, let's say, for example, Daphne Dixon. Right. And uh, just put it as your preferred name. I I suppose that might come into complications when tax uh, gets involved, I assume that we're not paying a lot of tax this year because uh, COVID-19 has been uh, ruining our gig schedules recently. Um, how's it been going for you?
1: It's, it's incredibly frustrating, you know, on a couple of different fronts. Like I am a DJ myself and I had a whole bunch of gigs lined up that I was incredibly excited for that have either been cancelled or just postponed indefinitely. And that's really hard because I was so excited to play with these people and at these places and just like to be attending so many different events in itself. But then on the other side of things, you know, Luna blessings that I run with my friend Ophelia, we kind of picked the worst time in history to start trying to run events. (laughs) Like, I, I mean, the people need to dance and we will give them a place to dance. But at the same time, it's like, I'm hoping that by the end of this, at the very least, we're going to be incredibly good problem solvers because the amount of events that we've tried to put on that, you know, we've had to either postpone and find a new date that works for all the artists or um, just straight up cancel just because of all the uncertainty around, you know, the world might open up a little bit and restrictions ease, but venues are the last place to open back up. What was like capacity and dance floor restrictions and things. And
0: oh yeah,
1: it just makes, yeah, there's so much uncertainty, but, it is also really exciting when we do all get together together and we do get to put these events on. Um, like the last Lunar event we, run, we ran, we got to like so, so luckily squeeze that into the one weekend that Sub Club could be open. Oh, really? Before it had to get locked up down again. Yeah, because oh. they were closed for like three months, um, even once restrictions kind of eased just because of like dance floor restrictions and things like that. And so, yeah, our event happened to be – we did. We had postponed it, yeah. but the the new date was the one weekend that Subclub could actually be open. And to see so many excited, smiling, happy faces all reunited on a dance floor again after so long, just makes it all worthwhile, you know.
0: Was that the Was that the gig with uh, Jennifer Lovelace, Dorse Tony Yatsi, and
1: Bella Claxton? Yeah. Was that
0: the one? That was the one.
1: That was oh, the man. one. Such an amazing lineup too. Oh
0: yeah, do you do you curate those? Is that your job? Yeah,
1: so mine and Aphelia's together. Um, so Luna as a whole is also uh, like a mixed series as well. Um, that side is sort of more uh, tended to by Ophelia, but together we 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 run the events and we curate the nights and um, we try to create you know, like a really special, safe, inclusive space.
0: I've also seen that you've got a new date lined up for Sub Club on the 3rd of September (laughs) as well. What is happening with that? Do you know uh, Uh, what's going to happen with lockdown? Yeah,
1: so unfortunately, we posted in the event um, a couple of days ago now. With the extension of the lockdown again, it meant that things were probably going to open back up the day before and like that just means that sub club (laughs) won't be able to open and with so much uncertainty like the numbers are scary again at the moment and we've just had to cancel it but that does not mean that you know like we're, we're definitely still very very excited to be hosting all those artists again at a later date we just don't currently know when that date will be.
0: That is the roughest thing to hear because that lineup is awesome. <sighs> yeah. Into Stella, Call Connect, Cloudy B2B with Colette and performances. Wait, I want to know what these performances are by Mags and Natty. What's going on there?
1: So, one of our earlier Lunar events, um, we had Mags come along and do an incredible performance. Um, she is an amazing dancer Ooh. and um, she did this performance alongside, uh, we had Angie playing at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just the most beautifully choreographed immersive piece where everyone on the dance floor just kind of parted and Mags comes in dressed immaculately and did an amazing performance. And so because uh, that next lunar event that we had planned was going to be all B2Bs, mm-hmm. um, we thought it'd be fun for Mags to have someone to come and dance with her as well. Oh, cool. um, And so um, we'd been chatting with Mags and in collaboration with her and trying to figure out what we would want and how we'd kind of want it to be. And, you know, without giving too much away, because hopefully it'll still get to happen. um, It was going to be pretty spectacular.
0: Well, uh, I've got my fingers and toes crossed for you guys. I hope uh, this does work out in your favor um, in the future at the very least. Yeah. But uh, look, as well as the event and music industry suffering as well, I can only assume from what I've found in your past Mm -hmm. that your hair has suffered too because I am aware that you were once a hair model. Is that correct?
1: (laughs) I was. (laughs) I was. Yeah, that was a funny time in my life. I remember one time this guy was um, trying to figure out if he knew who I was. Like he was talking to some of my friends and I'm like, oh, you know Claire, right? And he was like, oh, is that the chick who changes her hair all the time? And I thought that was so funny as, like, that's what I'd become known as. Like, right. the chick who changes her hair all the time. But, like, it was it was for a friend of mine who worked at this really fancy salon and was entering all these different, like, hair competitions and stuff. Mm. And basically um, he asked if I would be interested in, you know, getting my hair looked after for free, all the, you know, like any color that I want for free, looked after with, like, all these super fancy hair treatments, which I got super addicted to for a while. It made my hair feel so silky soft. Ooh. Um And in return, he got to dye my hair, like, whatever color he wanted it and cut it and style it however he wanted for these hair competitions. And, um, yeah, a couple of times he made it really far, uh, which was cool, and we made it to a couple of, like, state finals and things like that. Wow. Um, But, yeah, it meant I went some pretty bizarre colors. Like, I was bright yellow for a very long period of time. I did see
0: that, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Did you enjoy that one?
1: I did when it was, like, freshly styled and nice, but then it kind of got to a point where my hair was so bright that – I, could, I felt like I could only wear black because <laughs> if I wore too much color, it would just be like it would be too much. But- yeah. It was a fun experience. And Actually, a funny thing on the topic, assuming you did this deep dive, you might have noticed that my hair used to be like dead straight.
0: I did see that. Yeah. I
1: never touched a straightener in my life. Bullshit.
0: What? No shit. What? Why no does your shit. hair look like this now? I have
1: no idea. No one in my family has curly hair and it's fully like ringlets now. And I, Whoa. people have thought that I've got a perm, like people that I've known my entire life think that I'm secretly getting perms all the time. Uh-huh. I swear to you, this is on record right now. We're recording. <laughs> I do not perm my hair. It's just gone curly on its own accord. And I don't this know is why. a
0: This is an issue of public interest, people. <laughs> Let it be known that Daphne, aka Claire Dixon, does not and will never perm her hair uh, to (laughs) be curly it has always been straight it's just somehow gotten to this point do you think it's just because of all the treatment and all the damage that's been done to it over the time that you were a hair model
1: I don't know because even when I was a kid it was always straight and I don't know how the damage would make it curly if anything I would have thought like damage would make curls go straight Mm, I don't know it's quite bizarre and I've looked up like I've tried to like find more information on why it could be and there's some blogs out there that say that your hair can change every seven years. Not that it will, but that it could. And so Wait, what? Yeah. Apparently. Is that science?
0: Really? Apparent-
1: well, this is like some blog that I found online, you know, when you're like, you're Googling your symptoms and stuff. So you can never be totally <laughs> sure if um, what you're reading is correct.
0: So will you ever go back to that life of modeling?
1: Mm, maybe. No, I don't know. It was fun. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it feels really nice to just be like pampered, you mm. know, Mm -hmm. And people just like dress you up like a little doll. But um, it's not, it was never really on my radar. It was more so just kind of like helping out a friend. And like I've done a couple of other shoots and stuff. And that's been, that's been the same sort of reason why I've just kind of like helped out friends if they've wanted someone to like be in some photos or something like that. But it's funny how long it can take (laughs) for them to get that perfect photo. Like, you don't just get your makeup done and you sit there for like a minute and they take the photo. Like, you will be it's like a whole day of prep and then the photos and it's like, all right, now move your head slightly this way. All right, good. Now try it just slightly that way and then go back this way. And it's just like, yeah, it takes up up like a whole day of time. And to be honest, for me, I found it a little bit tedious at times being like, come on, surely the shot's in there somewhere. Like, (laughs) That's enough slight little head tilts trying to find the perfect angle.
0: Do you at least get like paid by the hour or like free food?
1: Yeah, both of those things, which is really good. Okay, good. You get the free food. Well, it depends on, you know, if I'm just helping out a friend, then perhaps um, it's just like a couple of beers, which I'm so <laughs> fine with, you know.
0: Or a banh me, That's always good. Oh,
1: always good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite place to get a me?
0: Oh uh, You know, there was that place on Smith Street. God, what was the name again? The name escapes me. I actually can't mention the name because uh, we're not sponsored by them. And uh, if brands do want to get sponsored, or rather sponsor us and the show, please do reach out. <laughs> um, we've been sponsored by, God, I'm just trying to remember everything. The Church, Nando's, uh, who else was there? Revs, I believe. And uh, Wait. the Republican Party. Really? No, not at all. Oh, <laughs> These are all. (laughs) (laughs) You
1: can't say things like that to me because I am one of the most gullible people that you will ever meet. Like, so much so that someone will tell me something. I need to get better at fact Mm checking because the amount of times that I've spread false information thinking that it's right, one of the biggest ones would be that my dad told me so I have South African heritage my dad's South African Mm -hmm. and so we were watching I think it was Invictus like the movie about the South African rugby team and dad was like and dad loves rugby and dad was talking about how the reason Matt Damon was so good at acting as the captain of the football team was because back in the day he actually was the captain of the South African rugby team and I was like (laughs) oh no way like that's what he was doing before he was acting and then like I used to go around telling everyone (laughs) this fact and it took years for anyone to actually pull me up on it and then one day somewhat recently i was talking to my dad and i was like yeah you know like matt damon used to be you know rugby player or whatever and he just started pissing himself because he couldn't believe that i still thought that that was true
0: <laughs> how old were you when you uh were corrected on that
1: like earlier this year
0: oh my god
1: <laughs> earlier this year i don't i and like i'm just so I, I don't think of it as gullible i think of it as trusting you know that's like,
0: that's that's what i was gonna say because it, it yeah. seems to me that uh people who are very gullible are really just very trusting of other people
1: and i think that can be a nice quality but yeah. also some people really make me feel otherwise and they like will play into it and tell me dumb mm. things and then like it'll take me way too long to realize that that's not actually the truth.
0: Has anybody taken malicious advantage of the fact that you are a very trusting person?
1: I feel like there's, you know, odd occasions where that might have come up. But I also really feel proud of the people that I surround myself with. Mm. Um, I've got a lot of really, really beautiful people in my life. And so for the most part, I feel like it's just kind of like, Telling me dumb things that I'm going to think are true rather than anyone like really taking advantage of the fact that I'm, you know, a really trusting person.
0: Well, why do you think you are so trusting? Were you never hurt as a child growing up? Oh, so
1: we are going to family trauma. Okay.
0: (laughs) We can always go into it later. I do want to talk to you about some other shit first, but, uh, okay. (laughs) How about we'll save that for later? Let's, let's, let's touch it. Let's touch on it, um, a little bit later. Uh, look, enough of the, uh, intricacies of your family trauma let's talk about (laughs) you and your history with community radio specifically pbs i'm aware um as we said before that you were volunteering on circling the sun for three years on the midnight show yeah holy yeah we work in pretty much like the graveyard shift during that time yeah
1: so i so circling the sun which is my first show on pbs i started in 2000. 15 or 16, I believe, Mm -hmm. it started off as the 2 a.m. till 6 a.m. show. And that was an amazing opportunity and I'm so happy that that I took it. But at the same time, um, it was every second week, 2 a.m. till 6 a.m. And I was also at uni at the time studying music management and um, I had a class at 9 a.m. Oh, my God. That was compulsory after finishing radio at 6 a.m. and being up all night. And it was just – it was – rather difficult to try and juggle both and i could never figure out if i should have had like a little nap in between or if i should just try and power through into a three-hour class mind you Mm. so it was like full-on like me sitting in the back just being a zombie trying to like hold myself together just for attendance and then i'd catch up on the work later you know but wow so i was super grateful when it did get moved to like the midnight till two slot and i was there for quite a while too um which was yeah a lot more manageable
0: did it become easier over time I assume at the start it would have been a little bit difficult to sort of get a handle on in terms of like your sleep patterns, but I assume that over time you would have found ways to adjust to it, right? I
1: suppose so. It was was always a struggle, particularly when it was still the 2 a.m. till 6 a.m., because I never could quite figure out if it was worth – staying up all night or if it was worth trying to catch some z's before the show started because sometimes I'd feel super groggy if I hadn't slept and other times I'd like eventually get to sleep just before my alarm went off at like one in the morning you know and it would just leave me feeling just like zumped and weird as well an amazing experience on the left I remember there'd be times where I'd be going just like absolutely mad because I was sleep deprived and like the songs would be playing and I'm just like dancing deliriously around the studio trying to keep myself awake and watching like all the dumb cat videos and stuff on YouTube just for like – because you kind of don't realise that while the songs are playing – there's not much for you to do in the studio.
0: Are you the only person there?
1: Yeah, at that time, yeah.
0: Whoa. Holy. So it's just
1: me trying to entertain myself. Um, I remember one time, actually, I called the cops because I thought someone had broken in. <laughs> it was, oh, I think I was just, like, tired and delirious, but I could hear, like, what I thought was, like, people, like, running and skateboarding, like, down the halls of PBS. Oh. And I started freaking out because I was in there alone. Um and so I called the cops, and I felt horrible because it ended up just being a couple of a couple of people that were like, "There's like a skateboard ramp on the roof of PBS, yeah, and yeah. they just decided to go for like a midnight skate." And they got told to move along, and I felt so bad. I wouldn't have done that if <laughs> I hadn't thought that they were literally skating up and down the halls at the door of the studio. What's
0: the funniest activity that you've done in there, aside from dancing and watching cat videos? What's the funniest activity that you've done during your night shift? on that show. I
1: had a friend come in with me once and we played hide and seek. (laughs) (laughs) So it'd be like he'd run off while I was on air and he'd hide somewhere around the studio and then (laughs) and then while the song was playing I had to go try and find him. That was, yeah, that's a pretty dumb activity. But, you know, fill in the time.
0: That's beautiful. No, that's really wholesome. I really like that. (laughs) After all this nocturnal debauchery that you found yourself in, you graduated on to co-hosting The Breakfast Show with Milo.
1: I did. How
0: was that change? And what sort of brought that on and uh, was it easy to adjust?
1: I feel like the transition was actually fairly smooth because – I, at the time, was still doing Circling the Sun, but it was when it was in a midnight till two slot, Um, and there was a changeover between hosts where Milo's uh, old co-host wasn't hosting it with him anymore and so they were kind of on the lookout for someone new but until they found that person they had each like monday to friday day a different person that would come in and host with him Mm -hmm. um and i got asked if i wanted to do fridays and so originally i just thought oh yeah i can do like a 6 a.m start once a week on a friday morning you know um and then i ended up having so much fun doing it with milo and just presenting because shows on pbs are are much more genre specific and so my original show on pbs was more kind of like a psych and shoegaze show um so this was an opportunity to share my broad range of you know music that i'm really into and i really really enjoyed that freedom to play whatever i wanted and when i was asked if i wanted to do it full-time with him um i was You know, I just thought it would be the silliest thing to turn down that opportunity, even if I'm not good at waking up at 5 a.m. every morning.
0: <laughs> well, you did it for six months, so uh, yeah. you must have gotten used to it at some point.
1: Yeah, in, in in a way I definitely did, but I still wouldn't say that it's natural for me to wake up that early. Like it was still, you know, some mornings when it's like your alarm goes off and you're like, you are absolutely kidding me. Like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's me every morning. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. And this is like, you know, in the middle of winter and stuff when it's still like super dark outside. And yeah, but like, such an incredible experience and the only reason that I stopped doing it was because I thought I was moving overseas to pursue more radio opportunities um and then COVID happened and so I'm still here um and that's fine because I do love it here in Nam. we have such an incredible music scene and there's so many amazing inspiring people here and I'm trying to like slowly weasel my way back onto the PBS airwaves Mm full-time and um yeah, it's good to be here. It just feels a little bit sad that I had to give up my dream job for what almost feels like for nothing now that I didn't get to do the big overseas, you know, move. What is
0: this dream job? What was the that? The dream
1: job, I suppose, was more in reference to, you know, the full-time brekkie spread with Milo. Oh, right,
0: right. But right.
1: I had, like, opportunities lined up overseas. I had some connections at BBC Radio 6 and with, like, NTS Radio. Whoa. And, Yeah, and a couple of different inns with, like, some festivals and things. And I was so excited to go and explore these opportunities. Um, And I'm hoping that they'll still be available to me, you know, whenever it is that we can eventually get over there again. But, yeah, for now it's like, you know what? No, I'm sick. We've got some great people here.
0: No, it's pretty good. (laughs) i got to admit that. Yeah. Um, Do you think that the way that mainstream radio is approaching the electronic music scene... Specifically, um, here in Nam or really wider Australia, do you think that the way that they're approaching it is uh, supporting the scene, or do you think it's detrimenting the scene a little bit?
1: See, you're talking to a gal who is in love with her community radio scene. Then I might have a bias <laughs> <laughs> because of you know how much I love community radio and everything that does. That I do think that mainstream media could be doing so much more Mm -hmm. or mainstream you know radio stations and stuff could be doing so much more because there's a huge issue with representation of australian music on commercial radio stations um and they even do these like stupid tricky things where They have quotas that they have to meet. And unfortunately, I can't remember what they are off the top of my head, which are incredibly low anyway. But so that they can meet these quotas of Australian music on their airwaves, a lot of the time they will actually put all their Australian artists on at like three in the morning. What?
0: Really? Yeah.
1: When I was at uni, one of my professors, Chrissy Vincent, was writing like her thesis on the misrepresentation or underrepresentation of you know Australian and, and local music on commercial radio stations. And so she had all this data that was like trawling through track lists of all the big commercial stations. Um, and most of them weren't even meeting the quotas that were set up for them, which was fine worthy. Um, but then the ones that actually were, unfortunately, were just putting all of their local music on at like three in the morning so that they could keep playing these big hit bangers from wherever else during like the big, you know, main peak hours. That is
0: that is the most disappointing thing I've ever heard about the industry. Yeah. I suppose when things are being run by um, large profit uh, driven corporations, then things can get a little bit cloudy and dusted from uh, all that cash that they see right before them. But yeah, hopefully – Uh, With the introduction of COVID and the borders closing and the uh, lessening of international representation in the music industry here, perhaps they might have opened their eyes. I mean, it certainly opened my eyes a little bit more to um, exactly, like, what is going on um, within the scene here, which is fantastic. On what sort of vibes do you like to create your playlists for Listen Here Radio? Because I've looked at that website. Oh, it is, it is a lovely concept that you've got going on here. You've just displayed it so nicely. Oh, thank um, you. What inspired you to make this whole thing?
1: So listen here was actually something that I had been wanting to start since I stopped doing the breakfast spread full time, because in the period in between me moving overseas to do more radio stuff, I was moving back down the coast to save up as much money as I could to do the big move. Um, and so that meant even though I'd stopped doing radio full time because I'd been in that mindset of just like making playlists every week for so many years. Um, it hadn't stopped me from making playlists. And so originally it was kind of just going to be for me a place to put some playlists, um, that if people want to listen to, they can, but also to use as a bit of like a portfolio, I suppose, for when I went overseas, I could be like, Hey, sure. I stopped doing radio, but I haven't stopped curating and making, you know, music and playlists and things. Um, But then I realized that it could be so much more than that because I know so many people that have such an incredible taste in music um, and unfortunately they didn't get the same opportunity that I did to be able to share it on radio. And so I wanted to create a space that could showcase all the amazing music that so many people that I know listen to um, and so that they also had the opportunity to, to share their taste. And I specifically made it that they're not mixes they're just playlists because I also didn't want to alienate people that didn't know how to mix I just wanted people to be able to like share their music oh. yeah it's turned into something really special that I'm really proud of and I'm and to be honest I'm grateful for for that big first lockdown last year because that was what finally gave me the time to set it up and i'm an incredibly technologically challenged person so for me to make that website it took me a long time but for me to make that website is something that i'm yeah quite proud of
0: i do hope that even if uh you do end up going over to london for uh radio 6 or nts or the festivals um that you still continue it because it's um it's fucking awesome it really uh, <laughs> as soon as i went on the page i was like oh this is putting a smile on my face I do. no
1: this. yay that's exactly what it's for it's like you know if you you know if you can't decide what to put on and you just want to listen to something you listen here eh? mm, uh, you know uh. you listen here <laughs> i don't know i enjoy good. That. Cool. and i think as well the other thing that i've tried to kind of do with it is that i wanted it to be non-electronic or like as non-electronic as possible, because I feel like there are a lot of different places out there for people to post electronic mixes, but less so for just, you know, any other sort of genre. Yeah. Um, And I thought it was, yeah, important to create another kind of space for people to share that kind of music as well.
0: I think that's what's really refreshing about it, because a lot of the scene right now is so focused on these electronic sounds. Mm. Everything that we've been listening to before this new, I suppose, zeitgeist of electronic music, Um, has all sort of been like just falling to the wayside yeah people are still creating but there's just not a lot of attention being put on that at the moment and so I think you've created yeah you creating the space is such a nice thing for you to do Uh, thank you so much for it Um, oh you are so welcome (laughs) um also speaking of things that put smiles on your face tell me about your friendship with Ophelia aka DJ love you how did that all start
1: I was doing a fill-in for Milo on The Breakfast Bread um, and Ophelia happened to be listening in and they were running their own kind of like, um, it was kind of like pre the idea of Luna and they were just sort of like curating a mix series called Commune Radio. And they reached out to me because they'd heard me on the radio and they were like, oh, you know, I um, really like the music you were playing. If you wanted to make a mix for Commune Radio, that'd be amazing. And so... Um, we'd kind of like agreed that that would be nice. Um, And then I ran into them at Black Cat in Fitzroy because Uh, they quite regularly play there. Yes. Um, And then we just realized that I guess we had a lot in common and a lot of mutuals and like mutual friends and things as well. Um, And then one night, I think it was at a Melt gig actually, um, we just had like a really fun time together and bonded and then they reached out to me asking you know, if I'd be interested in helping them kind of get this project off the ground. And I, yeah, was super excited about the idea. And yeah, I feel like it's really special that it's kind of organically, like we've, we've just become better and better friends as the thing, as like the the process has gone on. And as you know, Luna's grown and it's been nice, like we check in on each other all the time Hmm. and make sure we're doing well during lockdown and go for walks and things as well. Like, sure. We're business partners, but first and foremost were just like two friends and yeah, that I haven't really known them for that long even. Like that was oh god, COVID time. I don't even know. <laughs>
0: um with this business venture that you have going on with them. Sure, first and foremost, uh friends. Mm. But has the business side of things ever interfered with that aspect of your relationship?
1: I don't think so, which is something that I think is really special. Um if anything, like I I've had Uh, like kind of like rocky mental health, as I know a lot of people have um, over the past, however long. It's definitely been like brought on even more so thanks to COVID. And so there's been certain things that have kind of happened in regards to like running events and stuff that I've, uh, that have really kind of gotten me worked up and have have spurred on like panic attacks and things like that. Um, And Ophelia has been nothing but supportive and kind and understanding and been like whatever you feel comfortable in doing, let's do that, you know. And I, that, and I've told them this so many times. Like that means so much to me.
0: Perhaps <laughs> now is a good time for us to talk. Now that you mentioned the rocky mental health, yeah, all of the uh, trauma that we've all gone through in our lives. Let's just trauma dump on each other. Right, so. Bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Um, let, let's actually go into. Um, your panic attacks a little bit. I mean, is this something that you've been experiencing quite a lot um, over your life, or has it sort of just been ramping up recently?
1: I had I had an amazing childhood. Um, it definitely my issues with mental health started after high school. I'd say I openly and regularly see um, a psychologist every two weeks. Hell yeah! Uh, I, yeah, I think it's incredibly important if you feel able to talk about your mental health. That you do, because it just normalizes the fact that everybody's got shit going on. And I feel like sometimes a good way to get someone else to open up if you feel like you're worried about them and you want to talk with them is for you yourself to be like, hey, can I reach out to you and talk about how I'm feeling? True, Um, yeah. Yeah, so... I don't know. Well,
0: this show is sponsored by Big Therapy. Thank you to our sponsors today for making the show possible. <laughs> um, I think that's a really, um, really good point, which is why I like to encourage um, a lot of my guests to um, have really open discussions about this sort of stuff because we're in an industry, um, in the arts and music industry, where I've said this before, it's a bit of a chicken and egg thing, isn't it? Like, do mentally ill people come into the industry or does the industry make us mentally ill? <laughs> um, but, yeah. Um, Either way, it doesn't defeat the fact that 99% of us suffer from some something um, in particular. Um, for me, um, it's always just been uh, a case of the depressies. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, depression in regards to uh, uh, self-esteem issues, uh, trying to figure out like, oh, okay, am I doing enough or am I ever making enough, all that sort of stuff. It's always been about the productivity for me, which has made... Uh, Things very difficult when uh, you know you enter the depression stage and you literally can't bring yourself to do anything. Oh yeah. Uh, What about what about yourself? Is anxiety more of the uh, the center of attention for you?
1: Um. What's my actual diagnosis? It's uh, anxiety with depressive features. So I can relate to what you're talking about definitely but i'm like a chronic and manic overthinker and it's incredibly tiring and i also really suffer a lot with i guess imposter syndrome i don't i don't feel like i'm deserving of any of the attention that i get and i don't understand why people might like me. And even like, you know, like when you first messaged me, I took how long to respond? Because I was like, no, like, you know, I, why would you want to talk to me? And then I was like, hang on, hold the fuck up. Like (laughs) take this opportunity, stop self-sabotaging yourself. And, and you know, if someone wants to talk to you or if people want to listen to a mix from you, or if people want to book you for things, I've I've turned down so many gig offers and stuff because I didn't think I was worthy of them Mm -hmm. or I didn't think that I was good enough. And I guess it's like, yeah, it's my own crust to bear. I guess once you're more aware of it, it helps.
0: That's a, that's really interesting because when you messaged me and you you said and you even said to me, you know, over this interview that you're so honored to be on this thing, it made me sort of think like, wait, is this show really that good? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like it um, is. <laughs> it, It's it sounds like it sort of intertwines a lot with uh, your trusting nature of other people almost even in conflict as well, because, you know, people might come to you and say like, oh, I do I do want to speak to you or I do want to, um, you know, have you on for a gig or I want you to make a mix. Mm. And then you turn it down because you're like, no, there's no way. Mm. Um, that seems almost at odds with the fact that you are uh, ordinarily very trusting of others. Mm. Um, and so perhaps there is um, more so a stronger lack of trust in yourself. Yes. Is, is that? What yeah
1: it yeah it's 100 uh self-worth issue
0: damn okay
1: and that's something i mean like we're going there are we going there i feel like this is just like a free therapy session i'm actually catching up with my psych on tuesday so i'll just completely dump all this on her as well but like yeah it's and that's what I've been talking about with my psychologist is, it is a, it's hugely a self-worth and self-confidence issue. Damn. And it sucks. Like I've got so many beautiful people around me that I love and I, and I trust so much. And they all think so highly of me. And I just want to be able to think that way about myself. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of like why I'm seeing a psychologist to, to figure out how I can love myself better.
0: Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Talk to me about some of the things that you do like about yourself.
1: Oh, that's cute.
0: I um, mean, like two two things you actually like about yourself.
1: I think I am an incredibly warm person.
0: I'd I'd agree with that. Yes. Thank
1: like you. I, I like to make sure people feel comfortable around me, and. This is something that for a long time I didn't like about myself, but I am a huge dag. What? I'm like, I'm clumsy, I'm daggy, (laughs) I say stupid things all the time. And it used to really annoy myself when I'd like, you know, slip up like that. But now it's like, you know what? That's just so much a part of my personality. And if I can just kind of like know that that's who I am and that I'm silly and goofy and and clumsy and stuff, it's like, well, then I can make it endearing, you know? That's true. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. The only way that you would really dislike that about yourself is if you wanted to be, like, a super cool, like, calm, collected person, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, someone who's not bothered by, like, funny jokes or anything like that, I mean, that
1: That's, yeah, that's, I think when I was younger, that was what I wanted, you know? I wanted mm. to be, like, cool and calm and collected and shit, and it's like, that's never going to happen. That's, <laughs>
0: that's
1: just not my thing. Like, one of my favourite things about myself is my ability to reel off da- bad dad jokes, and, like, that just... <laughs> That wouldn't be the case if I was being, like, really cool and smooth or whatever. Was
0: there a phase in your life where you tried to be that? Definitely
1: in, like, high school and stuff. It's funny because, oh, my God, am I really going to tell you these <laughs> stories? I am. All right.
0: Please. please.
1: <laughs> it's just like a barrel
0: interview for you. <laughs>
1: um, but, like, when I was in high school, I remember, you know, I'd do certain things to try and make myself look cooler. And like, I think the best example I could think of, of that was that I was at some gig somewhere. Um, and I left the gig to go buy Siggy's and I bought like, you know, a fresh pouch and some fresh papers. And before I make it back into the venue, I like rip off the cardboard from like the venti packet to make it look like I smoked weed, oh, you know. Wow, oh, I can't believe I just shared that. But it's funny, you know, like to look back on how much I cared and now it's just like that's so sad. It's not and sad. And I'm so happy. It is
0: <laughs> It is the most adorable thing that I've ever heard. Right? Like in, in hindsight, you know, it, it seems really endearing and, and 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 cute, but like I suppose back in, um, when you were in that state, it was more about like, uh, like fuck, I need to be a cool person. Like I'm really anxious yeah, about this. Yeah,
1: I cared so much, you know. And that was that was late high school days, I think. Um, and then you know, as you get older, you kind of start finding your feet and finding like a good crew of people that you know you can really relate to. Not that I didn't have that back then either, mm-hmm. but yeah, just like little dumb things like that.
0: What made you wake up um from that and realize, like, oh, this is not good for me? Like, I need to just be myself.
1: Good question. I'm not sure if it was just like a wake-up moment okay. or if it was just like a slow kind of realize what actually the kind of person that I wanted to be or who, 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 who I am and being true to that rather than just like an epiphany moment. I can't think of, yeah, any particular thing that kind of made the change, but I am not that anymore, you know? Are
0: you noticing yourself becoming happier over these years?
1: Hmm. No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's so sad if you say no to that, I,
1: know. Right? <laughs> I wish it worked that way but it's you're constantly on this journey of like self-discovery and, and and growing within yourself and so you know in many ways I do feel I am so much more comfortable in the person that I am and I think I've I've definitely grown a lot in that way since then but then there's definitely other areas that I still need to work on I am overall a happy person, but I'm also a really anxious person. And it's funny because I don't necessarily come across as an anxious person to a lot of people. Like, I I, I am really sociable and I can talk to anyone, um, but it's just, you know, the overthinking and then when I'm alone and it just kind of all starts to spiral kind of thing.
0: It is really interesting that someone that speaks as well as as you, someone that... Um, Is doing as much as you, someone that is contributing as much as you, and someone that has, you know, even spoken on radio, you know, for three and a half years. It is really interesting to me that you suffer from this um, idea that essentially like a social anxiety or even like an anxiety just in regards to your own self worth.
1: My psych is a boss bitch and she pulled me up the other day when I was talking about, I can't remember exactly what I said, but she was like, Can I just pull you up for a second? Because basically what you've just told me is that every good thing that's happened in your life or every good thing that you've ever done has just been fate, like not fate, sorry, like luck. And it's just lucky that that's happened to you or you've been offered this opportunity. But on the flip side, you seem to be telling me that everything that's ever gone wrong is entirely your fault. Ah. And she's like, can you not see how that, doesn't add up. Whoa. Like you need to be oh. proud of yourself. And I was like, oh Jess, you are right. Like who is,
0: who is your psych? I need to go see that person. Her name oh, is my goodness.
1: Jess. She's at Inner Northern Psychology, which is up the road for me. Psychology. Yeah, write okay. that name down.
0: Uh, shout out to Inner North Psychology for <laughs> sponsoring this goddamn show. Thank you so much for all the good things that you do for our mindsets. <laughs> they really do. Um, <laughs> they really do. Just uh one other thing that I would ask of you as well. Um please do not put me on a pedestal. Because he, this show has literally only been around uh, for, I think it was like five, less than six months now. And literally the only thing that I do is I talk to people and ask them to make an hour of music. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's there's really not much to it. Um, yeah. And so um, something that I have found that has helped me is that when I speak to other people through the medium of this show, it's been nice to sort of realize, like, oh, like, you are just a person as well. Like, Big you're time. not, like, some, like, mysterious, cool artist that, like, has this uh, social media presence that actually relates to how you actually are in real life. Like, in, in actuality, we're all just hunks of meat um, that are essentially a blips in the universe. like
1: <laughs> Well said. It's well all the said. same. I And I 100% agree because, you know, I, particularly on The Breakfast Bread, I interviewed some pretty – you know, world-renowned names and stuff. And I think the biggest thing that helped me with that and dealing with nerves of talking about, you know, to these big celebs or whatever, Mm -hmm. and it's funny because there's this quote, and I can never remember all of it, but I can remember the part that kind of matters relating to this where it's like there's two ways to dehumanize someone. I can't remember the first way, but the second way is by idolizing them. Mm. And I think that that is so true because you forget that, you know, exactly what you just said. We're all just lumps of meat floating around on this blobby planet in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, We're all in it together. Oh, I can't believe I just quoted some COVID campaign
0: accidentally. (laughs) It's in our brains. We all, we all (laughs) shit. We all shit. That's how I look at it. We all take big dumps in a porcelain toilet. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's true. um, I would love to know what your top, three dad jokes are
1: all right one of my favorites is what do you call a chicken looking at some lettuce
0: what do you call it
1: chicken Caesar salad oh my god (laughs) yes
0: oh (laughs) it's amazing right wow holy shit
1: do you want some more are you yeah. ready for more?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give, give me, give me two more. Give me two more. I can do it. I can get through all this.
1: Right, all right. Um, why did the old man fall into the well? Why did he? Because he couldn't see that well.
0: <laughs> Shit! Oh my god!
1: Oh my god! Sorry to change your topic, but did I did I tell you I witnessed a kidnapping the other day?
0: You're shitting me. What? I didn't
1: bother to wake him up, though.
0: Jesus.
1: And I have just way too many more where that came from. I don't know. I can't remember people's names for the life of me, but dad jokes, they just stay in here rent free.
0: You're going to be an incredible dad.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. One day I have this like, dream of going and doing like some open mic thing where I literally come up and I say all the jokes I can think of without pausing for people to laugh. And then I mic drop and walk off. And just leave people absolutely dumbfounded about what just happened.
0: (laughs) I would really love that. I think that would be an incredible, incredible show. Um, I'm actually quite interested because you studied music management um, at university. Mm -hmm. um, And now you're just involved in music all the freaking time. Mm -hmm. Like, where did it all start?
1: So I think you could go way back to when I was a wee bub and um, my dad... Instead of bedtime stories, when I was a little kid, he used to sing me lyrics to Frank Zappa songs. <laughs> like
0: <laughs> your dad is awesome.
1: What? Yeah, my dad's my dad's a boss. I love him a lot. My whole family means so much to me. But um, <gasps> yeah, he he's a huge Fra- Frank Zappa fan, and so he would obviously. There's some Frank Zappa songs you definitely do not want to sing to kids, but he used to sing me like Zombie Wolf or St. Alfonso's Pancake Breakfast and what? like I'd be like, tell me the one about the stinky foot again, and he'd sing uh, me Stinkfoot. Uh, my
0: python boot is too tight. I couldn't get it off last night. A week went by, and now it's July. I finally got it off and my girlfriend cried, You got Stink Stinkfoot.
1: That was Those were my bedtime stories. And, you know, so I've been a huge fan of Frank Zappa ever since I was a kid and definitely fed off my parents' music taste um, a lot growing up. Um, you know, we'd always be listening to music, a lot of, a lot of like South African music as well, obviously, oh, yeah. with my dad being from there. Um, I guess that's where I started. And then when I turned 18 and I bought my first car, um, the radio didn't work. And so I used to make these like mixed CDs of songs that I liked to play in my car because I had a CD thing. Um, That's so cool. Yeah, because I was like, well, I want to listen to music while I'm driving and if I don't have a radio, this is the best way to do it. And then, you know, friends would come in the car with me and stuff and I'd, you know, make them copies of the CDs and stuff as well because they liked it and some people were like, dude, you should you should get into radio. You should, True. you know, share these playlists with people. Um, And so, yeah, I did like an announcer course with PBS. Oh, I did a couple shows on Sin First with a friend and then was like, this is fun, but I, you know, PBS is, why not try for that? Like it's my favorite station in the whole wide world. And then again, I guess was honored when they really liked what I was putting out and wanted me to have like a full-time show.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah. And it's all just kind of all fallen into place from there. Like the people that you meet and the connections that you make. And yeah, I think that's where most of my opportunities have come from. It's just really welcoming people within our industry that I guess saw something in me or saw opportunities to collaborate in different ways. And yeah, it's all kind of spun from there.
0: I also saw on your Instagram that there was uh, a particular album that I'm a huge fan of um, as well. Uh, Dope Smoker.
1: Ah, you did a deep dive. Yes,
0: I have. Yeah. It seems like your taste is incredibly broad Mm. um tell me about your journey so like i fucking love these like um everybody has a genre journey do you know what i'm saying like you start somewhere and then you progress and you go further and further and further and then you make a stop over here and then you go over there tell me how it worked out for you over these last few years
1: well something that i think is really interesting is that electronic music is something that i've always kind of liked but um it was definitely more – it definitely started off – I remember back when I was, like, 17 or something, 16, 17, a friend of mine said that you really like listening to music that sounds like it's been recorded in someone's bedroom, don't you? And I was <laughs> like, yeah, I guess that's interesting. Like, I used to listen to, like, a lot of, like, lo-fi indie pop and, like, garage rock and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then – it just kind of, I think as well, it expands through the people that you meet and the music that you share. Like I will talk about music and swap names of bands and stuff with people till the cows come home because it's such an amazing way to expand your music taste and explore different genres and stuff. And if, you know, you think you've got similar taste to someone and they recommend you something, it's like, oh, sure. If you like that, then I probably will too. And I'll go and listen to it. And then you start going down this other path. But I think something that I figured out recently that's quite interesting is that, you know, I used to listen for a while there, like to a lot of things like like Sleep and Acid King and all those kind of like heavier Doom and Sludge bands and stuff. And I think when I started getting into electronic music, I can really hear this kind of like similarity between like I – one of my favorite festivals that I've ever been to, and I've been to it a couple of times now, like I, I keep going back because it's amazing, is Soft Centre up in Sydney. And they play a lot of like kind of like – hardstyle and industrial techno and, like, really kind of obscure electronic music. And when I think in correlation to me listening to, like, really heavy doom and psych in the electronic scene, that's where I kind of first started was listening to, like, really heavy electronic music. And I could see why I liked one and the other. Like, they're very different in a lot of ways, but they still have that, like, heavy sludginess to it at the same time.
0: So oh my god, more gas. <clears throat> <laughs> I hate this. How do you actually deal with this on live radio? Um, <clears throat> uh, it's um you so actually not the
1: last fill I did, but a couple of weeks ago I was filling in for Milo on the breakfast thread and I'd been doing so damn well And I think there was like half an hour left of the show and my voice had been holding up fine, not a single issue whatsoever. And then I get on air to like back announce like the second last bracket of the show and out of absolutely nowhere, I get this tiny tickle in my throat and then my voice just starts going like this. Oh, and god. I was like oh my fucking god no and I start kind of like coughing and nobody wants to hear coughing on the radio during covid no that's terrifying don't. it's terrifying oh and so I was just like oh Ooh. let me just I'm gonna play you some of these and I played some cards <laughs> and in those 30 second cards I just like I don't know if like I swallowed a bug or something but I just started like coughing my lungs up like it was horrible <laughs> and then I had to like 30 seconds of like carts wasn't enough, so I had to just like go straight into the next bracket and the whole time that bracket was playing, I'm sitting in my chair like gargling, trying to like get my voice oh, to come God. back.
0: Wow. Yeah. Jeez.
1: But I think that's kind of like a live radio or community radio as well. It's so authentic. It's like you get to hear people fuck up Yeah. And you get to hear – Things like that that I think almost adds this like, I guess, endearing quality or this realness to it that you don't really get. And there is also a tiny little button on the desk that if you do just need to cough really quickly, it's like a, a mute button. And so you can mute yourself for like 30 seconds. And I think there's like a what's going to air is like a couple of seconds behind what's being said. Oh, and so really? there's an opportunity for you to like, you can do the same thing if you're interviewing someone and they swear, you can like press the mute button and it'll, it should like mute
0: it. Wow, interesting. Yeah, we're learning the secrets yeah. of community radio. This is fantastic.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no,
0: um, going back to your genre journey, before I rudely interrupted you with my gas, um, <laughs> the it, it is really cool to know that like um, your introduction into electronic music wasn't necessarily at the consumer-friendly um, spectrum of that particular genre. This mix that you've made for us here on Spinning Around, by the way, fantastic mix. I really, really like your selections. Um, <laughs> Thank you. The first 15 minutes of your mix, I'm already like, oh, I am going to break my neck today. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: My um,
0: bad. <laughs> no, that's, it's fantastic. Um, have you, over time, gone like, from the heavier spectrum down to the lighter end of things? Like house and oh, or rather old school house and like disco, etc. that sort of stuff.
1: I think it really, and it's it's kind of similar to when I'm making like a listen here playlist, the mix that I'll make, particularly if it's a mix where I'm just told, you know, play whatever you want, is going to be very dependent on how I'm feeling at the time where it's like, it'll be very reflective of my mood. So I've definitely released mixes or done sets that are like, you know, up at, 170 bpm the whole time and like really intense music but then you know horses for courses if i'm playing somewhere else where that might not be as appropriate i think i think i'm i'm really grateful that i appreciate so many different kinds of genres and i feel like i can be quite versatile in that way and the mix that i submitted to you was one that i'm not gonna lie it was when we went into lockdown again for the next time, I got really pissed and just like got on the decks at home and started just playing music yeah i was just like what's gonna happen let's see where we go and then i listened <laughs> back the next morning and i've i had to re-record it and to cut out some songs and redo some of the mixes and stuff but that was basically what that energy was in the mix that you got it's just me being like what's gonna make me feel better right now with the news that we've just gone back into a lockdown you Whoa,
0: know oh hell yeah do you yeah you, you don't seem like an angry person No. Do you get angry?
1: I don't. I don't get angry. And sometimes it's, you know, to my own detriment where it's like someone might do something wrong by me and I probably should get angry. But instead, I just forgive and forget for the most part. And sometimes it's stuff that I probably should hold a grudge for. But that's tiring. I can't be bothered holding grudges, you know.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, I definitely don't think I'm an angry person.
0: It sounds It sounds like it just builds up inside of you and then you let it all out into your mixes. Yeah,
1: I think, <laughs> yeah, that could be what it is. I'll just, like, dance it out, really kind of, like, thrash myself about for a bit and let it all out and then back to mellow.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's very cool. <clears throat> um, I, I think with that, um, perhaps we might be um, all primed up Um, to enter into this mix right here um, that you've created for us thank you so much once again for um, taking the time to uh, not only record it but also to put all of your um, anger and fury into (laughs) um, these these next 60 minutes that we're about to experience because I really do enjoy mixes where you can approach it in one of two ways I feel you can either be really clinical about it and be like okay um, at this particular minute mark, I'm going to bring in the treble of this song and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Um, or you can just go completely primal and um, really just thrash out um, with it, either if it's your sadness, your anger, or your joy um, into that mix and just communicate that. Like, I really enjoy um, both ends of that spectrum. And so I appreciate you taken the time to present us with one extreme uh, <laughs> that we are not really that used to on the show. So thank you. I appreciate
1: oh, it. Oh, you're so welcome. And honestly, thank you so much for talking to me. It's been really nice just chatting. And I feel, yeah, it's just been super easy to talk to you. You make this a very comfortable and fun environment to chat in.
0: Oh, excellent. I, I That is what I go for. Um, I try my very <laughs> best. Um, let's, uh, let's go straight into this wonderful mix that you've got made for here right here oh my god <laughs> <laughs> let's go straight into this mix you've been listening to spinning around with Hayley minogue on area 3000 playing daphne right now
1: ta-da